When sharing your faith with a Latter-day Saint, it helps to know what their church has taught on several basic topics. For this reason, Mormonism Research Ministry has provided its Crash Course Mormonism. Crash Course Mormonism includes concise articles highlighting what LDS leaders and church manuals have taught on issues that will probably come up in a typical conversation. You can find these informative articles at CrashCourseMormonism.com. That's CrashCourseMormonism.com. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. But we also have with us today a good friend of ours, Earl Erskine. Earl has written a book titled Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church, A Cracked Foundation, A Surprising Discovery, and a Former Bishop's Pursuit of Truth. That's quite a subtitle, Earl, but I, I do welcome you to the show. Yeah, we shortened just a little, Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church. But yeah, thank you for having me. I've listened to you folks many times, and I've really enjoyed your program. And well, thank appreciate you for that. Being thank invited. you for that. Well, today we get to learn about you. And yeah. I'm sure there's probably a lot of people in our listening audience that do not live in the Utah area that maybe have never heard of you before. Of course, possibly you, you're a pretty popular uh, subject here in the Salt Lake Valley and such, but you do have a background that is uh, quite fascinating. I was going through some of the biography that you have in your book and your story about your mission and such, and we want to talk about that. We want to introduce you to our listeners so that they can have somewhat of an understanding of where you're coming from. Now, your book is a testimony book. In other words, you're telling your story and the things that ultimately led to your leaving the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. And if you're a Latter-day Saint that's listening to this show, I would encourage you to pay close attention because I'm sure that some of the doubts that Earl had could be very well some of the doubts that you are probably having right now. And in your book, you not only tell your story, but you give a pretty fair analysis of the history and doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. hope so. <laughs> yeah. In an easy reading style, uh, very well laid out, very impressed with that. You wrote this book with another friend of ours, Scott Johnson. Yes. And so I think our, our listeners would probably benefit quite a bit from looking at this book. So let's just start off here. You know, as far as your life in the LDS Church, Let's go back to the beginning. Were you born in the covenant or a convert? Let's start there. Well, actually, I wasn't born in the covenant now that you mention it. I don't know that I've ever thought that before. My mom, uh, but I was raised in the church totally, and I was baptized at age eight in the tabernacle. They have a baptismal font there in the basement. And, Is this uh, the one in Salt Lake City? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And I... Uh, Yep, raised in the church. My uh, great-great-great-grandfather was a polygamist, came across. His name's actually on the, uh, uh, this is the place monument, uh, as one of those coming in on July 24th, 1847. 
And so I was raised with the church. My mom was very active, but my father wasn't. He was maybe a deacon or a teacher in the Iranic priesthood. Mom was very active. She gave up her coffee for uh, postum, and so she could go to the temple. And so that why I say that, you kind of caught me there, is my father passed in April one year in 1958. And by November, my mom had qualified for a temple recommend, and she took us in. And we were sealed then as a family for time and all eternity. So So. am I right to assume then that your parents were not sealed for time and eternity? No, they weren't. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So your mom basically raised you in the church. Yes, for about five years. And then she passed. She she had ran a car accident. She... uh, we weren't wearing seat belts back in those days. And she uh, hit her head in the windshield and... Mm passed and so i ended up with an aunt and uncle out in rose park utah and uh, had a good life with them i was right at the, as a senior in high school at that point and so and then it was shortly after that that i went on a mission and let's talk about your mission yeah uh, where, where did you serve went to denmark there was just the one mission in the country of denmark a lot of return missionaries kind of view their mission as a success if they see a lot of baptisms. Yeah. What was your mission like? <laughs> was it an easy mission being in Denmark? I would tend to not think so, but what was your experience? Well, of course, it, the culture was very similar to ours, so I didn't. Uh, that was very comfortable, and, and I really enjoyed my mission. I learned Danish, of course. It's not very functional or useful in, in most circumstances. I kind of wish it had been Spanish. But but no, the Dan- Danish people are wonderful. They just aren't interested in religion. They have a very comfortable, easy life, and they're about 98% Lutheran. Some people say, you know, you go to church on Easter and Christmas, and I'm not sure they even do that. That, yeah. that seems to be kind of a common occurrence sweeping Europe right now. Is Secularization is, yeah. is something that's really yeah. happy, as it is in our country as yeah, well. Very true. But there's just no, not much interest in, in religion. And so they, they were polite, but they were not interested. Ingen interessa, they said uh. <laughs> all the time. So, uh, But anyway, I enjoyed my mission. My last eight months, actually, it was a 30-month mission, which is unusual now, uh, all or all or 24, but we didn't have a missionary training center for the Danish language, so we'd learn the language on the mission, I guess. Wow. So that was that was challenging. I would imagine that and would be were, kind of awkward. <laughs> there were very, very few Danish missionaries, so you really were learning Danish from English-speaking mission, <laughs> Americans, basically. So yeah, but it was a good mission. My last eight months, I was going to say I worked in the mission home, and that was a good experience. So I wasn't kind of knocking on the doors those last many months, but uh, I had a great mission. I enjoyed it. I felt like I was doing the Lord's work. I was preaching the restored gospel, and it was uh, that's what you do as a missionary. And I, I was grateful that after my mission, I did not fall away like some seem to do. But um, shortly after, I, yeah, continued being active. So you come back from your mission. Yeah. And what is life like for you as you come back? After the, after the celebration <laughs> of the return missionary yeah. in the local ward, what, what goes on in Earl All the Earl praise Erskine's? and glory. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had been, what goes on in Earl I'd spent a year, a year at the U, and then I came home and 
got right back into the University of Utah. And within a year, though, I'd met my wife. Uh, I met Carla. We were in an MN and Gleaner. It was an old young adult program, just activities. And we met on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. And eventually we caught each other's eye and fell in love. And within a year, I was married. And within another year, I had my first son, Todd. And uh, life just started moseying along. So you would consider yourself, if you were to evaluate your life as a Latter-day Saint, you would not consider yourself to be a nominal Mormon. You were a TBM. You were uh, yeah. a true blue or a true believing yeah. Latter-day Saint. You yeah, took we, this got very married. we got married in the temple. I've always had a temple recommend, always paid my tithing, and always had callings everywhere I went. I was either in a bishopric, I was a serviceman's branch president in Germany when I was serving in the army and several bishoprics that I was in and then eventually was a bishop here in Sandy, um, Utah for uh, five years. Let's talk about that. What was it like being a bishop? You know, we had a young ward. Uh, It was over on, I think we had two or three primaries and it was wonderful. Everybody was loving and supportive, and I had a great time as a bishop, I, I have to say. I, Pretty I really busy schedule. It. Yeah, it was busy. We were full-time workers. You know, I mean, that's a volunteer position. Uh, there's no salary or anything associated with that. So I'd worked for a American finance company for a little bit, and then I was interviewed and was accepted as an auditor for the National Credit Union Administration. So I did that for 30 years. So, uh, but active and busy that whole time. So you're known today affectionately as Bishop Earl, and that's <laughs> kind of how I know you. Right. You know, many people like in their discovery of difficult things they've learned about Mormonism, and they put it on a shelf. That's the phrase that's often used. It gets too big, and then it ends up breaking. Earl, when did you begin to doubt that Mormonism was true? Well, even as you ask that question, there's certain things that come to my mind. And one is, I never had a shelf, really, as an active Mormon. I just didn't ever read anything anti, anything that was a question. I mean, back in 78, when the blacks got the priesthood, I cried. I thought that was wonderful. The Lord had a new revelation. When, um, you know, other things hit, I just never really was aware of anything until the time that I had, we were asked to, in 2005, to ask to uh, read the Book of Mormon. President Hinckley asked us to do that by the end of the year. It was in July. And so I read it. And then about by November, I'd finished and I had an old copy of the 1830 Book of Mormon, just a facsimile copy. Uh oh. And I picked that up and started reading. And, you know, it, I try to explain this in the sense that it didn't just slap me in the face, but it struck me that some words had been changed. And so I went to a, a 70 that we had in our ward, uh, who was active 70. And I also went to an institute director and I went to a church historian and I pre- presented to them this, these word changes in the Book of Mormon basically changing the nature of God. Um, In other words, the 1830 Book of Mormon would say Jesus is the everlasting Father, and the current Book of Mormon says Jesus is the Son of the everlasting Father. That started me on my little journey. First of all, two things, basically. One is that how did Joseph Smith change the words of God, and how did he dare do that? 
And if the Book of Mormon was translated word for word like it was supposed to have been, or they claimed. And then the second one is, uh, how did Jesus's nature change here? <laughs> was he, is he the everlasting father or isn't he? I read more in the Book of Mormon and it has all kinds of references to Jesus being the everlasting father, the God. And I already knew that Jehovah was Jesus from the temple and from other readings of, the, of my life. So, so I started questioning, well, what else did Joseph Smith write in that 1830s period? And then I found the Lectures of Faith, where it talks about God having a, being a spirit and Jesus being a personage of tabernacle, but he's in the Father and the Father's in him. And so <laughs> that... And then there were some Joseph Smith translations from his Bible that he translated that were interesting changes. We've been talking to Earl Erskine. He's the author of Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church. Earl, where can people get a hold of this book? Well, the best way to do it, I think, is really uh, going to MSCBC. That's Main Street Church, Brigham City, MSCBC.org. But they can also get it on Amazon and Kindle. Okay. And Kindle at two ninety nine, I guess it is. And All right. Tomorrow we're going to continue our conversation with Earl Erskine as we discuss what he has in his book, Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church. I want to continue regarding your story on the elements that led to you eventually leaving. Okay. So we'll, Let's do we'll that. begin with that in tomorrow's show. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.